Good morning, everyone. Hello, hello. Um, welcome, if you're new, I don't say new faces, but anyways, if you're not new still, welcome to the Vineyard. Um, we're really excited to be able to worship together and to have service together and just to be in community together. Um, so welcome also to everybody who's online. Thank you for joining. I'm going to pray over us. And we're going to get started, and this is a pretty free open space, so however you feel like you want to worship, please do so. Um, just keep your neighbors in mind, because <laughs> sometimes they get a little out of hand, so, um, but I'm going to pray. Yeah. Connie, Connie's a wild worshiper, so <laughs> yeah. you got to just watch her. <laughs> um, God, we are so thankful just to be in this community, um, to be in this space, and to have the freedom to come together and worship you, and... I pray that, um, above all, we just remember your faithfulness, your love, your kindness towards us, um, and that we remember that faith is more than just this feeling that we get every day, but um, faith is this real relationship that we have with you through, through the good, through the bad, through the pretty and the ugly of life. So um, I pray over our congregation today that they would feel your presence um, and that we would all leave a little bit changed today and not, not leave the same way we showed up today. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So however you feel comfortable, go ahead and we're going to get started. Stories that proved your faithfulness. I've seen miracles my mind can comprehend. There is beauty in what I can understand. Jesus, it's you. Jesus, it's you. God, you're the wonder-working God, all the miracles I've seen, you're too good to not believe, you're the wonder-working God, and you heal because you love, all the miracles we'll see, you're too good to not believe.
We've seen cancer disappear We've seen broken bodies heal Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it We've seen real life resurrection We've seen mental health restored Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it We've seen families reunited We've seen prodigals return Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it We've seen troubled souls delivered We've seen addicts finally free Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me Let's see the rich like me. 
grace that taught. T'was grace that taught my heart to hear, and grace my fear
as we were praying before service today that the word faithful came up, faithfulness. And I think of this song and I think of your promise still stands because great is your faithfulness. Not our faithfulness. It isn't what we promised that we're going to do, right? It's, it's the faithfulness of Him meeting us no matter how short we fall. It's His meeting us when, when we have to cry out and ask for help in things that we, we never thought we'd have to ask for help for. And it's His faithfulness that led Him to the cross and the resurrection and making a way where there was no way. And doing it again is meaning he's, he's coming. He's coming back. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Amen? Amen. Well, good morning. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We're excited that you're here at the Vineyard this morning. It's always great to see growing numbers of people that are attending, but we love our online people too, so welcome to all. Just a little shout out. Today is my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Joy. Uh, Today, Pastor Brent is continuing our study, Why Are We Here? Where Are We Going? Today's message is called, We Are a Disciple-Making Movement, found in Matthew 28. So grab your Bible, cell, wherever you get your scripture, and follow along. Look in the bulletin also. Today, if you are a new attender, and we are excited that we have new attenders here, if you're new here at the Vineyard, join us for a few minutes after the service. Go to the classroom, in the middle classroom in the fellowship hall, just right around the corner and back into the fellowship hall. And we'd love to spend some time uh, saying hello and meeting you. Food box assembly is tomorrow, so uh, from 4.30 to 6. And then on Tuesday, beginning at 11, we need volunteers to set up, at 3 to give the food away, and at 6 to clean up. So we can always use more help. It's amazing what we get done with so few, but come and be a part of that. Make it a few more. Uh, The Monday night's men's group, which I'm a part of, is just beginning a new study, The Fundamental List, Recovering the Essentials of Our Faith by Andy Stanley and Joel Thomas. Uh, Again, this goes right along with what we've been studying here in uh, our series, sermon series. So come and be a part of that eight-week study. Monday's at 5.30. You can bring your dinner with you along and eat, and if you have any questions, Terry Planton's all the way back in the back corner there today. You can talk to Terry. So one of the things, again, one of the ways that our church does so much 
with so little is that we have volunteers do many, many things. And one of the things volunteers do is clean the church. Now, this bat last week was our men's group's turn, but we know that all the other groups... So if you've been a part of any group that's helped clean our church so we don't have to pay somebody to do it, please stand up. If you're part of any group that's helped clean our church... So we haven't had to pay somebody else to do it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, each and every one of you. Uh, We are blessed to have you. Thank you. Uh, Don't forget today's offering. If you notice, uh, there was a a pledge card again. If you've not pledged for our building campaign, uh, please do so. We've had a $5,000 gift to kick off the campaign, which is just awesome. Uh, There's so many things we'd like to have done So please, if you've not pledged, please do so. And remember your regular offering also. This is in addition. This is above and beyond because Jesus calls us to go above and beyond at times. And this is one where your church could use it. Again, the offering is on the table back at the back of the sanctuary. Also, one other thing. You get the munchies on the way out. We have a few bags of popcorn left. We're selling for $5. So grab a little popcorn uh, to help support the ministry uh, for only $5 on the way out. So God bless. Have a good day. And Brent's coming on up if I don't trip and fall first. Good morning. I will, uh, I'm going to try and stand this service today. My hip is still wonky. Kind of waiting for um, the, all the weird medical stuff you have to go through uh, to, to get approved and not approved. You know, this person has to approve it, and then they need approval by the approval of the approval person. Do you know what I mean? So I figure by the time I'm like 79 or 80, they'll probably do something. So um, anyway, good morning, everybody. It's good, good to see you all. Good, good crew this morning. And welcome to those of you out in um, online land. We're uh, glad to have you with us. I'm glad that you're all with us. And pray that God will kind of connect with us where we need to be connected today, right? That's why we're here. We're here to connect with him and to connect with each other, and that's part of what we do. By the way, before I even get started, um, you know, it takes an amazing amount of people to do what we do here, on both today and on Tuesdays during just throughout the week, stuff like that. And, and we're always interested, if any of you are interested, and we have different areas that we need um, help with, with various audiovisual things, with like at Food Pantry, we have all kinds of things that you can, even if you can just pick up a can or something, um, they don't let me even do that anymore because I, I would probably sprain my finger or something, I don't know. Um, but anyway, so uh, keep that in mind. You know, this, this isn't just a, um, this is an audience participation sport, right? So 
So we, we encourage you to, to get involved. So let me pray. Father, thanks for this morning. I was sitting out yesterday just looking on our patio thinking how, how blessed we are, God, to have a God like you, to even live in a world in a country like this where we can be at peace. And then, um, Father, we, I think our, our greatest will and our desire is not, ju- we don't want to just be comfortable. I don't want to end my life just comfortable. I want to end it doing what you've called me to do. So may we all um, grab a hold of that. May you grab a hold of our hearts today and do what you want to do. This is your church, Jesus. And um, we just, I just offer all of everybody, all of us here, into your hands to do, as, to, to do with as you will. We're like, like somebody said, we're like change in your pocket. You can spend us however you want it. Amen. Amen. Some of the younger people are going, change? What's change in your pocket? Is this, what is this change thing you speak of? Um, so today we're, we're continuing our series on, on um, who are we and where are we going? What, what are we about? Why are we here? What is called God called us to be? What has God called us to do? And today's pa- passage actually has to do with something that we see sometimes in the world around us. Um, some of you that come from sporting world type things, they um, often in sports they'll talk about a coaching tree. Coaching tree. And coaching trees are like, they only grow, they obviously don't grow really well in the Cleveland area. They um, seem to grow well in like, uh, you know, the Northeast and sometimes in California. Coaching trees, it, no, realistically, coaching trees are actually they're branches out of which several really good coaches come. And so historically, there have been a few coaches who have just been really good at raising up coaches. And those coaches go on. Do you, know, do you understand what I'm talking about? So in, the co- in college sports, um, I don't remember, but I remember hearing once that, that like the college football teams, a huge amount of the ones that, that regularly win have come from certain um, coaching trees. In other words, they had one person that they learned from, and then they went out and did what they learned from them, and it worked for them, and then they, in turn, trained somebody else, and it worked for them. Um, I'm, I'm I'm at a loss to who... who's, who's like, Who are some of the really good college coaching tree people? Anybody? Mike, yeah, Saban, Nick Saban, yeah. He's really good. Yeah, he, he is. He's just got a lot of that. In the NFL, um, I can't think either. But anyway, there, there are such things, believe me. Um, <laughs> see, it's just, I, it's just been, in, you know, I've been in Cleveland so long. Now. I've, been in, I've lived in Cleveland longer than, than I lived in Minnesota. And, I, and I'm trying not to get jaded. You know, I'm trying to say, okay, let's just be cool. Um, so anyway, but ironically, when I'm, after I move here, after whatever, however many years, 33 years, they bring a coach from Minnesota here. And I was like, oh, I don't know if that's good or bad. So, so today we're going to talk about that. We're not, we're not going to necessarily talk about coaching trees, but we're going to talk about um, mentoring and discipleship. Making disciples. And that can sound... I mean, it can, it can sound and it can be, be weird, 
there have been people that have used and abused that, those kind of systems to control and manipulate and do all kinds of other stuff. On the other hand, I think all of us in one way, shape, or form have had people in our lives that have mentored and guided us and directed us. You know, in my life, I've had several um, people in, in the faith, several Christians who took me under their wing. One of them I've shared before, his name was Peter Scans. And Peter, I didn't know this at the time, we worked together at a, a, a facility for people that were physically and mentally disabled. He was the activities director. And, um, and it was right when I had gotten sober, and Peter befriended me. And he was a Christian. I didn't know it at the time, I just knew there was something different about him. And he befriended me, and he became my friend. And he began to teach me things about Christianity. He didn't push anything on me. I would ask him questions. I would be like, well, what a... In fact, I used to play... Jim used to do this with me before Jim came into a relationship with Jesus. It's called Stump the Pastor. You know, you think, uh, nobody's ever thought of this one. I'll ask him this one. This will stump him. And it's like, nah, didn't stump him. So, um, but anyway, you know, Peter was that. Uh, there was another guy named, named um, Gary Smith who was a pastor of one of the early churches I went to and actually was on staff at. Gary was just a great mentor. It was a little intimidating. I remember I was in Gary's church for... I had just started going there and I was maybe had gone there three or four times and he did this thing where, which I wasn't used to. I grew up United Methodist where after the service they have people come up and get prayer and stuff like that if anybody wants prayer for something. So he said, hey Brent, why don't you come up and help me pray for people? I'm like... Okay, I don't know what that means, but okay. So, so I, you know, I go up, and this lady comes up, and she is like completely bent over. I mean, like this. And I'm like, and then we're sitting there with her, and, G- and Gary goes, so Brent, what's God telling you? And I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm, I've been a Christian like six months. You know, what do you mean? What's God telling me? I don't, I didn't say, why well, I might have said dude. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, the bottom line is I... You know, I, I didn't know, I just, and I, 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 I said the first thing that came into my mind, because what came into my mind was something to do with, with, with kids, and with, maybe with, adult, with daughters. And I just said that. I said, I don't know, I'm just thinking about, like, kids, maybe some adult or, you know, older daughters. And this lady just lost it. She starts sobbing, and she's crying uncontrollably, and we're praying for it, and she's systematically that kind of, it was almost like there was a physical weight on her body. As we began praying for her, she began just kind of straightening up. And it was like, whoa. And, and Gary taught me through that how to hear from God. We're going to do, the next series we're going to do is got, called God Calling, and we're going to look through some of the Old Testament, how God calls people. And one of the people that God called when he was really young was a guy named, um, or a kid at that point, named Samuel. And we have Samuels here. Hey, Samuel. Um, wait, um, anyway, his name was Samuel, and he was dedicated to God when he was really little. And he, he, what that meant is that he kind of grew up in the temple. And there was a temple priest, an older guy named Eli, who was in charge of the temple, and and Samuel was in his room, Eli was in his room, and Samuel was, doesn't, I can't remember how old he was, but he was really young, and he hears this voice 
saying, Samuel, Samuel. And so Samuel thinks it's Eli. He goes, knocks on Eli's door. And, you know, Eli gets up and goes, what? And Samuel goes, what? And Eli goes, what? And they just do what for a while, you know. And then Eli gets irritated. Go back to bed. So he goes back to bed. Same thing happens again. And, you know, Eli's getting kind of, you know, upset at this point. So the third time it happens, Eli thinks to himself, Eli's a prophet and a priest. He thinks, oh, maybe this is God talking to him. So he tells this young guy named Samuel, next time you hear that voice, say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And he did. And God spoke to him. Spoke, spoke to him about some judgment that he was going to do on Eli, which would be kind of uncomfortable. Yeah, I'd be like, really, God, first words you want to give a little kid is like, here, go tell Eli that all these things are going to happen to him. Um, but anyway, the, the, the interesting thing there is that Eli began teaching Samuel how to hear from God. Just like Gary taught me how to hear from God. And it was a process. It happens in a lot of different areas of life. You know, one of my neighbors is always kind of shocked because I'm always usually working on cars. You know me, I, I buy these really old, I buy old German cars and I fix them up. I like doing it, it's fun. Uh, just don't talk to my wife about it because she, <laughs> she's like, that's a whole different thing. Um, anyway, so. Um, but, you know, one of my neighbors goes, how did you learn how to do all this stuff? And I said, you know, I had a, I had a dad who was, who was, he was a Chevy mechanic, and then he ran a Fortune 500 machine shop, like a big machine shop. And they said, I grew up with that. And my grandpa was literally a rocket scientist. He developed some of NASA stuff. And so I grew up with that. And they taught me how to do stuff. They spent time with me, and they showed me how to do things. And... The message today is very simply that that is part of what God has called us to do with each other. Jesus is going to tell us in a minute here, um, go make disciples. But there's a whole bunch going on before he says go make disciples. This is in Matthew. We're looking at Matthew 28. It's the last chapter of Matthew. It's actually the resurrection um, narrative from, from Matthew's Gospel. And it's pretty concise. It's, it's short and sweet, but it's powerful. And it tells a story about how when Jesus was crucified, the women, the two Marys especially, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, go to the tomb. Don't you want to find out who the other Mary is? Someday we're going to be in heaven like, who are you? I'm the other Mary. I'm like, okay. Because it actually says that. It says that in Scripture. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, so the bottom line is, is we're, we're, we're kind of in that context where, where they're encountering a, something they didn't expect. They were following Jesus. They were thinking that he was going to establish this amazing kingdom and set it up and that he would take rulership of the world, that he would do away with evil, that he would get rid of the Roman oppressors, that he would set up a just, equitable system of government and, and everything else. And the problem was that isn't really what God's plans were because God saw that there was a deeper need than just 
a, um, a political answer to the present circumstance. There was a deeper need. And that need had went way down into the depths of the heart of us as human beings. God had to do something about the core of who we are and were. And so he did. And so, so they, the disciples that were following Jesus at that point, so Jesus through, you know, starts out this whole ministry thing and he chooses 12 people and they become his apprentices. They become his disciples, his apostles. And they follow him around and they learn how to do what he does. And they, they watch him do stuff. They hear him do stuff. And then he sends them out to do stuff. And so in, in chapter 28 of Matthew, we're coming sort of to the end of that whole um, thing where Jesus actually has been crucified. It's Easter morning and he's, he's raised up. And Mary and, and the other Mary, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, should we, can we call her, call her the OM, the other Mary? The, you, know, you have the OG, you have the... <laughs> Rochelle's going, no, don't, you can't do that. You cannot do that. Um, so anyway, the two Marys are there, and they're, uh, they see the empty tomb, and you know that whole thing goes on, and then the angel comes and says, go tell his disciples that I'm going to meet him in Galilee, and um, see, now I, I've told you. And it, it, it's a weird thing in, in, in Matthew. The angel actually says, after he says that, you know, you know you're supposed to go meet his disciple, tell him, Peter and the rest of the disciples, I'll meet them in Galilee. And then the angel actually literally says, see, I have told you. And I'm like, is somebody recording you? Do you need to document that you told? You know, anyway. So, so that's going on. And, and everybody's kind of not sure what's going on. Because nobody really expected Jesus to rise from the dead with not just a, a physical body like ours, but with a literal resurrected body. You know, when Jesus rose from the dead, he wasn't just resuscitated. He was given what we one, what all of us one day will get, which is a brand new body. Doesn't have joint pains. Doesn't have to take, you know, whatever they give you when you have muscle tears and stuff like that. He was resurrected in the middle of history. And so they get to the tomb, it's empty. They have to figure out what that means. One of the amazing things about all of the Gospels is that the Gospels don't read like a story of someone who is going to come up with a fictitious scenario for what happened to Jesus. They read like somebody who's seen something that they never expected to see. Does that make sense? I mean, really, if you were going to come up, if you were going to come up with a story, if like the guy you were following, the Messiah you were following, got killed, and um, you know, would you really come up with that story? Like, well, then the next day we went, and the clothes were there, but there was no body there, and then some people saw him, and then he had this body that that he could eat stuff, but he could also pass through walls, and then would you? That would be not a good story to make up if you were making up a story, right? So all this is going on, and in the midst of this, the disciples listen to, to the Marys, and they go to Galilee. So it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. 
There's some of you here that doubt this morning. It's okay. Some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, you go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And, you know, I, I need to change that because th- that one airplane movie just screwed me up whenever I read, and surely I am with you, you know, the surely thing. If you ever watched that movie, it's like, oh, screw me. It's like, I can't read the, I can't read the text, scripture anymore. Um, so let me just share with you a few things, three things real simple from this text. And um, the first one being Jesus' position. First thing Jesus does is he lays out where, and where he's at right now and what his position is right now because he's been raised from the dead. And so when he meets them, he meets the 11. There's only 11 because Judas had hung himself. And there's, they're to meet on this mountain in Galilee and there's some significance there. I won't go into the detail of the significance there, but Jesus specifically picks Galilee rather than Jerusalem as the center of what he's about to do. And he told them to go to a mountain. And when they get there, this is also another really weird thing. It says they worshipped him. Now if you had grown up, we, most of us haven't grown up in Orthodox Jewish families, but maybe some of you have. We may have some Orthodox or even some Jewish family members here. But one of the things that you're taught, and one of the things that the Old Testament people were taught from the time they were a little kid, is the Shema. Behold, Israel, the Lord your God is what? One. You shall have no other gods before. You shall not worship any image of God. You shall not worship any you know, cow or duck or whatever people worship. And suddenly we have people worshiping Jesus, who theologically, a week before, would have considered that massively blasphemous. Why did that happen? What moved them to suddenly move from, from not from just seeing him as a Messiah who you know, suddenly has been martyred to worshiping him. I was reading some, some sociologists, who, some Christians, some non-Christian sociologists, and they said, never in the history of history has there been such a, an amazing shift in, in, in thought, such an amazing paradigm shift that moved from we don't worship any other gods to suddenly worshiping this man named Jesus. You know, one of the ways you can tell if, if, if God's really gotten a hold of your heart, if things are really going on there, is suddenly when we're sitting like here in worship and stuff, and it doesn't mean that you don't have to kind of push yourself. I do, because my brain's going all over the place. I'm thinking, should I open the window? Should I shut the window? Is it too hot? Is it too cold? Um, I wonder if there's too much dust. I wonder, that's how my brain works all the time. So if you ever wonder why I jump around up here, that's my brain. That's my brain on brain. So that's how my brain works. Um, But anyway, so 
you know, there's, there's this amazing thing going on here. Suddenly they, they are thrust in this place where they see something they didn't expect and they worship. And one of the ways you can tell that your heart has been is be, beginning to be transformed as you begin to worship Jesus. You begin to go, oh my gosh, you are so amazing. This week, I had one of those weeks that, again, that was just, it's just been a weird time. You know, there, the, I, 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 genu- I genuinely believe that God is always doing things in our lives. And when a whole bunch of really hard or bad things happen in our lives, that's not a punishment. It's not a judgment. I believe that it's, it's God doing something, usually something good. Well, it's always something good, right? He works all things together for what? For good. So, but anyway, it was just one more thing. I had, I had to go down to my orthopedic doctor, and I, I've been getting, I, for those of you who don't, I won't go the, through the whole story, but I, I basically tore, tore my labrum and my flexor tendon, my whole hip up during one of our um, uh, produce days. I was trying to throw a pallet. It's too big. Tore it up. Well, in the midst of all that, it's been kind of... Um, workman's comp hell because those of us who are on staff our insurance is workman's comp from church right so if one of you gets hurt you're volunteers we have insurance that covers you guys we, we're supposed to have insurance that covers us but anyway so that's not working so anyway i'm at the doctor's office and i just get one more kind of slam in the face kind of thing like well, and they're you know i know they're not trying to be mean or anything but but this particular doctor thing was like well, didn't you know you're supposed to fill the, the form A, A1057Z23.5 out twice and then turn around and then hand it back in? Like, do you know what I mean? Have you ever tried to do government stuff? So I get out to the car and I just lost it. I told Therese, I'm just sitting there and I don't cry a lot. I said, I was just sobbing. And I was like, Therese, I, I, don't, this is, I, I feel so unloved right now by God. I said, I just feel really unloved by God right now. Cause it's, and it wasn't just that. I mean, it, it's been a culmination of just a whole bunch of stuff. And, and you know, I did. I, I genuinely felt like God, where, I felt like David, you know, when David said, you know, where are you, God? The waters are rising up. Saul's trying to kill me, hiding in caves. Where are you? And, and I just felt like that. But I also, there was something deeper in me than just that. And that something deeper was that, that I believed and I knew because of what Jesus did, because he gave his life for me, I knew deep in the core of my being that those feelings were legitimate of being abandoned. Those feelings were okay. God wasn't like really upset. But they were also not totally true. That I was still deeply, deeply loved and that God was just doing something that I did not understand. And I, I believe, again, this is a word for some of you today. That God is sometimes doing things in our life that we do not understand. And sometimes it can just feel really overwhelming to the point where, you know, you, 
and, I'm, and I was glad I was actually able to cry and talk to God about it. By the way, if you don't do that, if you don't talk to God about it, if you don't let it out, you're, you're going to work it out or you're going to act it out. You're going you're gonna to end up an alcoholic. You're going to end up bitter at God. I don't want to do any of those things. So I just was like, God, I, I feel really abandoned. I feel unloved by you right now. And some of you are going, did you get smited? And like, no, no. You know what? Jesus loves our vulnerability. And at the same time, I said, I know that you love me. But I don't feel it right now. And the first thing we need to understand when we're, when, when we're dealing with life and when we're walking through these things and when Jesus is giving his commission and when we're called to be in commission, we need to understand Jesus' position. Where is he? Where is he in the midst of all that? And it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All. John Wimber, the founder, used to, the founder of the vineyard, used to kind of tease everybody. He'd go, you know, I, I, last night when I was preparing my message, I looked up all in the Greek. You know what it means? All. It means all. And, um, and I think he actually could read Greek. I think he's just messing with us. But the bottom line is that, that we have a God right now who, who is, is on the throne, literally on the throne. And we may go, well, the world's still really a big mess. And it's like, yeah, it is. It is. And it will be until Jesus comes back. There's a, there's a sense in which God um, works through the evil in our world. He doesn't always deliver us from evil. He de- delivers us through evil sometimes. Make sense? I mean, he, he hasn't delivered Teresa and I from some of the things we've had to face the last, whatever, however many years. But he has been with us through it. And this, during this kind of this season, he's been with us through it, through the community, through a lot of you. I've seen Jesus' love through a lot of you and through your hands and eyes. And, and if you're not connected with the community, I would encourage you to because, you know, if, you're, if you just want the one, I just want me and Jesus kind of thing, he, he does that, but he does it through, we're, we're called his body for a reason, Right? So the first thing we need to understand is that the one who is seated on the throne of the universe, it says he, he took his place at the right hand of God. In fact, in Ephesians, Paul puts it like this. And it's a pretty lofty description of, um, of where, where God is. Now I'm not going to be finding my notes. I have like 5,000 pieces of paper here because one of my printers decided not to work this morning. I finally got my computer working and now my printer decided not to work. But anyway, in, um, in Ephesians, Paul says this, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord and your love for all of God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of enlightenment in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. 
That you may know the hope to which he's called you. Do you know the hope to which he's called you? Oh my gosh. If we could see what God has in store for us. The biggest, horriblest thing we have to face in this life. Paul said, in, when Paul was writing about it, said, It is not even comparable to the glory that God has for us. In other words, God is not just going to make things right. He's going to undo that which has been done. How does God do that? I don't know. He says, I pray that you may have that power in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people, in his incomparable great power for us who believe. Incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is invoked. Oh my gosh, this is like huge, far above every rule, authority, power, dominion, everything. There is nothing in this universe that has the position or power of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is sovereign. Now, does he allow evil things to happen? Still, yeah. He doesn't want us to be robots. He allows people to make really bad choices sometimes, and sometimes those affect us. Why does he do that? Well, according to Scripture, he does that because he doesn't want to you know, wipe out the, the wheat with the chaff. You know, It's like, if he comes and does away with all evil right now, there's, there's some people that, that I, wanna, I want them to have a chance to get stuff together in their life before they go meet with Jesus. Far above all rule, authority, power, dominion, every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the, tr- for the church, which is his body, the fullness fills everything in every way and appointed him to be head over the church. You know what this got me? This gave me a picture of. It's, um, it's, just, it's kind of a cool, you know, just, the imagery here is just amazing. It's like, it's like you end up, you have to go and stand before some big magistrate or something. It reminded me a little bit of the, if you ever saw Rock, the Thor Marvel thing. And Thor gets kind of banished to this really weird planet that's run by Jeff Goldblum, who's just, Kind of, I won't even go into what Jeff Goldblum is, but he's kind of Jeff Goldblum-y. Um, and so Jeff Goldblum is there, and they, they throw Thor in this big arena with this... They, he doesn't even know who he's facing. It's like the destroyer or something, you know, destroyer of universes. He has to go do battle with him. And they put him in this, this arena, and Thor's sitting there going... You know, I mean, he's not really scared, but he's still like, I don't know what this is. And all of a sudden you hear this, Oh, it's my friend! And it was the Hulk, you know. The other person was the Hulk. It was his friend. Now, his friend wasn't really happy, so he squished him, but, you know, that's a whole other story. But the bottom line is, not, I guess it's not a great example, but, you know, hey, it's like, it works. Um, the bottom line is that, that he ends up, the person that he ends up having to face, that he he's, has to come face to face with, ends up being one of his friends. And you know what, the person that, that, that is sitting at the right hand of the Father right now 
is the one who died for you. He's the one who, lo- who lived for you and he's the one who died for you. He's the one who cares about you. He's the one who loves you. And that should just take away every fear, every anxiety, every, everything in our hearts that make us fearful of facing the future. That I have a God who, who's positionally has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. And you know, he, he hasn't just been given that position, you know, that authority positionally, but he's using his position for me. Do you believe that? Do you believe that no matter what's going on in your life right now, Jesus is bigger. Jesus is more able. Jesus has all authority. I want you to just take it kind of in your mind, take and put all of those, those things that seem so big, kind of bring them before Christ and go, okay, this is not, this worry, this financial worry, is not seated at the right hand of the Father. This trouble, this sickness I'm dealing with. Secondly, we look at Jesus' position. Secondly, we look at our mission. He says, therefore, because I've been given all this authority, I'm going to deputize you and I'm going to call you to go and make disciples. And we're like, how do we make disciples? What, what, what? How do I do that? I don't know how to do that. For me, it's always been, I just bring, I try and bring somebody with me. Jim, when he first started on staff, got really nervous about going with me because he, he had like three things right in a row that were like, hey Jim, I need you to come with me. And, he, and after a little while, he kind of t- had a little tick, like... <laughs> Like, like, what, what are we going to go do? I don't know. I don't, I've, already, I've already, you know, and we did. We had some really hard stuff that we had to, to, we had to deal with some really hard stuff. And it was really early on in his, and in, in God, that's how God chose to kind of baptize him into ministry. But he just came with. And I did the same thing with him that, that Gary did with me. It's like, what do you feel like God's saying? We disciple people. Sometimes that might be in your job, where you're, t- you're kind of helping mentor somebody else in whatever you do. Computers, medical. The medical profession does this a lot. Last time, the only time I was actually, the second only time I had to actually stay overnight in the hospital, I had H1N1 and my kidneys were failing and stuff. And they asked me if they could bring the, the, you know, if they could bring some trainees, you know, some doctors in training in. And I'm like, sure. The next thing I know, there's like 30 people in my room. I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and they're going, and I was like, I felt like a guinea pig kind of, but they were really nice, but they're like, this is Mr. Paulson. He's got blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know, this is uncomfortable. But you know what? I, I, was, I was okay with doing that because guess what? One day those people are going to be doing that by themselves and I would rather have them learn how to do it with somebody there who knows what he's doing 
When I was doing, when I was doing, um, when I was a kid, when I was 11 years old, my dad brought me out, and we had this, we had a, a 19 something um, Ford Ford Maverick, which were notorious for oil burn. So you carry a quart of oil, and you put at least one or two quarts in every time you filled it up. That's seriously what you had to do. And it burned the valves out. So one day my dad's like calling me up, like not calling me up. He said, Brent, come on. Tonight we're going to do a valve job. I'm like, oh my gosh. So we're sitting. How many of you, when you were 11, ever lapped valves? Nobody? Peter might have. I'm not sure. (laughs) So I'm sitting there lapping valves. I'm like, okay. That's what Jesus is calling his disciples to do. You know, he called them, and, and he called them out of being fishermen. He called, you know, Matthew out of being a tax collector. He called um, Paul out of being a terrorist. He called all of these people out of whatever they were in, and he called them to be his disciples. And he called them to go out. In, in chapter 10 of, um, of Mark, he sends them out. And he says, um, when you go out, proclaim the message, the kingdom of heaven is here, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, freely you have received, freely give. So he calls us to mission. You see, the Christian life isn't just a one-way ticket into heaven. It's, it's a transformed life of joining with God in his mission. We join with God in what he's doing. Now, I don't know specifically how that fits with all of your lives. I never really planned on being a pastor when I was like in junior high or high school. That was not really my... And even into my 20s, I thought, I, I, don't, know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, Lord. And being a disciple does not mean you have to be a pastor, but being a Christian means you do have to be a disciple. And being a disciple means just somebody who, it's, it comes from the Greek word methetes, and it means somebody who embodies a teaching or embodies um, a you know, practice, a life. And so a disciple, very simply, is somebody who follows Jesus. Somebody whose life is beginning to reflect the image of God in Christ. Last of all, is the promise of... So we're, we're, he's, he's, given, he's told us where he is positionally. He's given us a mission, missionally. And last of all, he gives us a promise. And he says, and, and I'll use the, one of the older versions, and he says, and lo, I am with you always. I felt unloved this week. Was God not with me? No, he was with me. But I felt unloved. But he was with me. Lo, I am with you. How much? Always. Always. Lo, I am with you always. You know what's kind of cool? At the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, 
when, when uh, the angel's talking to Joseph and trying to tell Joseph that his fiancée is pregnant, but it's not, she didn't sleep around. And, you know, Joseph, Joseph must have been a pretty cool dude. I mean, you know, really? Like your girlfriend, right before you get married, your girlfriend's pregnant, and she comes up with this story that it was from God, and you're like, meh. But Joseph actually listened to the angel. And, um, and, and then the angel said, and he will be called Emmanuel, which is God with us. And guess what Jesus just says here? He says, and lo, I am with you. Do you know? And when he says you, he's not just saying us individually, but he's saying Vineyard Community Church of Wycliffe. He's saying, I am with you. I am with you. As a community and as individuals, I am with Mount Carmel. I am with whatever churches are out there. Jesus is with his church. There's this amazing image in Revelation that I love. And it's a very early picture that John has of, of, um, of the presence of Jesus. The Apostle John is brought into the throne room of God and he's seeing the presence of Jesus. And, it, and, a, and, a, and around this presence of Jesus, it says there's seven golden lampstands. I think it's seven. Is it seven or two? I don't remember. It's seven. Um, by the way, thank you for being gracious with me. I'm, I'm not on like any drug drugs, but I've, I've been having to take um, like mass quantities of, of, of uh, Advil and Tylenol and various other things, and it kind of bonks me out a little bit. So, um, but anyway, so so Jesus is, you know, John sees this vision of Jesus, and he's standing amongst. The lampstands. And the lampstands are the churches. And, and you know what? Sometimes it's good for us when we're worshiping like this morning to have this image of Jesus standing in the midst of his lampstand. We're one of his lampstands, people. We are part of his light of the world. And we are called to be, and I, and I have reiterated this for the last, however long I've been here, 30, 36 years? 30, I don't know how many years, lots of years. One of the things I've had every year when we do our goals, you know how corporates and every, everybody does goals? Like, yeah, we've got to do goals. It's like, I said, I think we already have a goal. I think Jesus gave us one. I think he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore... Go, make disciples. Here's how you make disciples. You baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You teach them who I am. You, you indoctrinate, you help them understand what it means to believe. And then you teach them to obey or follow everything I do. You teach them. That's what a disciple does. And that's, bottom line, that's what we're called to. I took another chance this week. I'll close with this. It wasn't really a chance. I was, I was bringing one of my... I'm using these TENS... Have you ever used the TENS unit? It's like this electric stimulation thing that you put on your, your leg and it zaps it with real... My, it's not weird, people. I can see some of you going, electric stimulation. <laughs> weird. It, it's, <laughs> it's a medical device, okay? So you stick it on and then you can turn, turn it up 
And so you're supposed to wear it like 20 minutes. And I'm like, and you're supposed to set it at like 15. I'm like, I'm like, this sucker goes up to 60. And it goes up to like, you can keep resetting it for like five hours straight. And so I'm doing it. Well, eventually mine just stops working. I'm like, cheap thing. So, so I'm bringing it back to um, Best Buy, and, um, which is a weird place to buy it, but they had them there. And in line is this lady, and she looked like a runner, and so I just started talking to her. She's a runner. I just said, hey, are you a runner? And she's like, yeah. And so we start talking. Guess what? You know, God's stuff comes up. I didn't bring God's stuff up. It just comes up. Right before that, I'm out in the parking lot, and there's another guy, and he's on, his, he's on a motorcycle. For me, that's like the fish jumping in the boat, you know, like, oh, motorcycle. God stuff. Listen. If you're not following Jesus right now, I want to encourage you to do that. So just say yes. I want, I want what you have for me, Jesus. Let's pray. Father, um, thank you this morning for letting me ramble on. And thank you for your community. Holy Spirit, um, I just think of that sound. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And you're welcome in our lives. And Jesus, you are, you are the king on the throne. One day, your invisible throne and kingdom will become visible. And right now, we're one of your lampstands. And we, we know we're not perfect. We know we don't do this thing perfect. We know we're all, we're all like a, a little bit more like the three stooges than the, the twelve apostles. But... Lord, just come and bless your church. Just bless. Holy Spirit, just come and fall on your church right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and fall. Come and touch those people who are just sitting there going, Oh my gosh, I am a wreck. I feel unloved. If that's you, come on up and get prayer. And and we'll just pray for you. If you need to just sense, I just feel like God's really touching my hands right now. And sometimes that means God wants to touch you to pray for healing. If you feel like your hands are tingling or something, come on up and we'll pray for you. And that, you know, and I, and I feel like, too, like sometimes I, I've had God like give me these images of him blowing in our ears. And it's when he wants to teach us how to hear his voice. If you want to learn to hear his voice better, come on up. This is like ministry time. We're going to do some ministry time. So Holy Spirit, just come. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Jesus, you're welcome here. May we make disciples and be disciples of you, Jesus. Amen. Um, we're gonna, you can feel free to mingle, maybe, maybe mingle in the lobby or somewhere so we can kind of do ministry in here. But I, I really feel like God wants to do some stuff. So come on up and get some prayer. If you